Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor. With mixed market bet builders, in-play betting and a selection of welcome offers, make sure your Premier League is spent with BetVictor's premier betting app. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. Yes, this is the Blue Day podcast, and for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a Blue Day. I am your host, the creator, and the man with a face for podcasting, Keith Lawrence. And this summer long, the podcast has been on a world tour, speaking to different supporters clubs from across the globe that are addicted to Chelsea just as much as we are here on the podcast. Speaking to people from Atlanta, Kiev and South Wales. This week, we are joined by Adam Robinson, there you go, and Thomas Wheatley of the Eastern Blues Supporters Club. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. How are you both? Take two, as they say in (laughs) theatre. I'm good. Cheers, Keith. Thanks for having us. I'm good, thanks. A little bit sticky and hot on this hot day, but good. Well, we thought we thought we'd do it in the evening rather than the height of the day, whereby we would be probably melting at this point. <laughs> it's definitely been a sticky thank one. Thank you very much for coming onto the show. I appreciate you guys spending your time with us on the show today. Wanted to sort of talk about your particular supporters club as it stands right now, and we'll sort of the, to start it off. You know, how did the the Eastern Blues Supporters Club start? What was the origins of it? And um, So Eastern Blues sort of started in 2009. There had, there had been other clubs in um, Norfolk and Suffolk that had sort of come and gone. I was actually, when I was a young boy, I was actually a member of another club. I think it's sort of, I guess, people who run them move on sometimes and, and you know, and things like that happen and, and they sort of end up folding. But um, there's actually a guy called Joe Tyler who started Eastern Blues, like I say, in 2009. I think it was um, really trying to get people together and travel to, you know, making travel to games easier, like creating like a Chelsea community in our area. We live, you know, in the back end of nowhere type thing. So getting to London is difficult on the train. There's always like, you know, rail um, replacement buses or works on the line. So it's like, you know, that was, I think, the main purpose of of starting the club really, you know, what we now like 13 years ago. So sort of flown really. Um, and from then has progressed and progressed. And I think we're now sort of one of the biggest UK clubs and, uh, you know, sort of sitting all the top tiers that Chelsea offer for supporters clubs. So it's been a, yeah interesting journey, really. And did you get a lot of sort of pushback at the start? You know, what was the sort of 
in regards to when you guys started the club, did it take a while for the club to get going or did it sort of get accelerated in terms of membership quite quickly? Uh, I think initially it was, yeah, like, like, you know, he was trying to get the word out there. And I think as you get people find out about it, I think Joe done some advertising in local newspapers and stuff around here. Like, bearing in mind, it was 13 years ago. Obviously, there was the internet around, but it was still like, you know, a while ago from now. And um, yeah, it, it just sort of started to grow slowly. But as you get more people in the group, it's like, a, you know, a sort of spider's web in a way, isn't it? Like one person tells five and those five you know almost related back to the covid thing about you know how it spreads like in a way it's like that and um over the years you know i think it was about 20 uh, i think maybe 2011 right when we we sort of 2012 when we got the platinum status which we had to have 110 members for so it did accelerate reasonably quickly but you know it was a quite a bit of legwork put in to get us there really and in terms of the group as well you know when it came to match days was there a sort of an opportunity for you guys to maybe hire a coach or did you guys perhaps when you said about the trains did you sort of look to go on the trains together to because i know from for example from norwich to london it can be a strenuous journey it's it's straightforward but it bloody takes ages was there sort of like a little bit of an issue with that or was it a case of one person gets in the car and someone rides shotgun <laughs> um it, there was yeah, a bit of everything really a bit of car sharing you know like especially in the early days when you know you just would be a couple of cars full of you and then it sort of grew to minibuses and then now like these days we like i think last season we ran like coaches to like 20 games we took a coach to lil the, the away match in lil last year as well oh, fantastic. so um it's yeah sort of gone from one end to, to the other you know um but yeah, like you say, the trains are pretty much a nightmare from uh, from Norwich. So it's quite nice. I think a lot of people like it. You can just jump on the coach and, you know, after the game, we, we jump back on it and we haven't got to worry about tubes and trains and all that sort of stuff. So, And for those that perhaps don't go to the games because of travel or because of other commitments, what would a typical match day be like? Do you guys perhaps go to a particular bar, pub to watch the game or do you go to other people's houses what would sort of like a match day be like if you guys weren't going to Chelsea um if he wasn't going to Chelsea sometimes like to be honest we, we sort of like have quite a few members at every game I would say but sometimes we've done like screenings Tom haven't we you know when, when like Chelsea played Arsenal in the final in Baku you know that was a long way like mm. We we done a screening in a local pub and there's about 100 people there and we all got together and watched it um and had quite a good time yeah, we've done it occasionally. If like Malmo away this last year, I think there was about twenty people went to the bar and or had a day and um, sort of mimicked our uh, European away schedule, going from bar to bar. Uh, uh, and and then a few of us came to watch it. And I think, as Adam said, that Europa League final, um, and also I think the Super Cup we had as well. So occasionally we do have. Um, thing I think during COVID as well, a few, few people got together, didn't they, to watch some of like the FA Cup semi-finals and the Champions League semi-finals. And we had actually the Champions League final. We went to a a pub um, just in Suffolk and had a marquee outside. And I think there was probably over 100 people there, wasn't there? Um, 
Yeah, I think that was, that was in the it. rules at the time. Um, it was yeah, outside. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all, with, all within COVID protocol, of course. Um, but that was a really good experience because, you know, we can not many people could be out there due to the circumstances, but to be able to all be together um, for the Champions League final made it actually quite a real special occasion, really. And that must have been kind of special when Havertz scored and the final whistle blew that you guys weren't just on your own watching the game. You was with fellow Chelsea supporters and you was seeing it live that Chelsea would win another European Cup. That, that must have been pretty special. Yeah, it was great, really. I think, like, you you know, these people are like people you spend a lot of time with and they almost become like a second family. So sort of like when you have one of those special moments to do it or to share it with those people is like, you know, great. It makes it even more special and memorable. We always like jokingly say, like, um, when you join Eastern Blues, you become one of the um, Eastern Blues family. <laughs> so it's quite, you know, like, yeah, it's it's great, really. Yeah, I was a bit of a late joiner to the Eastern Blues. I think it was about 2017. So I can say that it's, it's, it's true over the last sort of three or four years. I've really got to know people like Adam and, and a lot of others in the club and, become like fat, my, my Chelsea family. So you'd say Eastern Blues is very sociable. You know, people get on and you sort of, you know, have, as you say, family vibes. You'd say that that would be a a, a special club. Oh, yeah, def- definitely. And I think that's because of sort of the events that, you know, Adam and other officials organise. So having, um, like we said like the Champions League final, but also Legends Nights, but then through having travel to like every away game and quite a few home games, you get to know people through, you know, a long journey up from Norfolk to Liverpool is is not the most enjoyable or quickest. So you get to know people through that and, and you get regular faces and yeah, you just sort of become part of the family. Everyone's very welcoming and inclusive. So it's just, yeah, everyone's very nice. And in in total, in regards to the group, what's the overall ambitions for the group? So, you know, you mentioned about it's on the platinum membership tier at the moment. You know, what's the overall ambition for the next maybe three to five years time of the group? I think it's probably really like that we just continue to to sort of you know expand it, and and there's still lots of people I think who don't know about it. Like surprisingly, like there's lots of Chelsea fans, you know, that sort of south of Norfolk became a bit of an overspill from London and stuff over the years so there's lots of Chelsea fans in this area and sometimes you see them on the train and they don't they haven't even heard of you know they're not aware of supporters clubs full stop or so you know to keep growing it and sort of building building the club and you know getting as many people involved as possible and doing the coaches and the travel and yeah just continue going where we are really doing like the charity or continuing the charity work that we've done over the years um we sort of as a club, try to do like stuff in the local area that can make a difference as well. So we sort of raised, I think it's about £13,000 now over the last few years for local charities. And we had like an event planned for 2020. It got postponed, obviously, for obvious reasons that we're going to do hopefully next year. You know, it's just really continuing on on the sort of trajectory that we're on, really. You know, I think uh, it's like, yeah, we can't obviously achieve any more, like as in we're already a platinum club, we're already as in Chelsea uh, have this scheme that they're already uh, at a thousand supporters club, which means we've got over a thousand digital members. So we've sort of reached them heights already, but it's just continuing, I think, to 
build on on those and 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 the other things we just sort of mentioned and the ticketing tier is obviously the same because i know certain clubs have different ticketing structures as well about what they are allocated in terms of home and away games as well yeah so that that's like where the um bronze silver gold and platinum comes in yeah so like we're a platinum club so we get access to sort of a a small number of away tickets. I think it's 150 that gets split between the entire, uh, you know, um, list of platinum clubs, which is 32. So if you, you know, 150 by 32, you, you don't get, you know, it's not like you've taken like 50 people to away games, you know, obviously some people on the away scheme, some people have got by their own ticket online, if they miss out through the supporters club. So there's still other avenues that people obviously can, can use and then they jump on the travel or, or you, know, you know, so that, or we meet them up there. So you're still like, you know, trying to create that, community you know it's not all obviously a big part of it is about going to games of course but it's also the other sort of bits around the edge as well that we try to do now fellow Chelsea supporters the Blue Day podcast is now sponsored by Manscaped they are the best in men's below the waist grooming and their products are precision engineered tools to deal with your family jewels Manscaped performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle this includes the lawnmower 4.0, more powerful than the lawnmowers you get in B&M's or Morrison's. It is a fantastic product that doesn't cut, it glides through. The Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer helps reduce nicks, snags and tugs in those delicate nose holes. This one is a winner in the Lawrence household, I can tell you. Plus... We have the Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner. This changes the way you approach your hygiene routine. You put deodorant under your pits. Why not on your sack? Manscaped even throw in two free gifts in their performance packages. The Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. Gentlemen, it's time to take care of yourself ahead of the new football season. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping when you put in the code BDP. That's right, BDP stands for Blue Day Podcast, and you will get 20% off and free shipping. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Now, in terms of the supporters club what type of contact has it had from Chelsea Football Club over the last few years in terms of trying to improve your supporters club and also when it comes to giving out merchandise signed or whatnot have you had much sort of um, interaction with the club recently? Um, yeah, probably it's best to say, just in case people think and they're hearing a lot of my voice, um, like, obviously I'm on the officials of the club and Tom's a member. So probably some of these earlier questions will be more me and maybe later on, you know, Tom Tom will be able to share some of his stories oh, of uh, travelling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, just in case people get... We're going to talk about with certain players. I'll, I'll let Tom speak his mind. Don't worry. Just in case they get bored of my voice, that's all. Um, but yeah, so... There's a couple of teams at Chelsea who we sort of work quite closely with. Like basically they've got teams dedicated to each scheme. So there's a ticket and sort of team that we work with and then another team that we work for on the rewards um, sort of side of things, as they call it, like the digital side of things. So, but yeah, they're, 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 you know, very helpful when, when you sort of need them to. And, and you know, um, we do sort of get a pack of merchandise every year that relates to the tier of your club. So we get like a couple of signed shirts that we 
use of prizes and stuff like that for in the you know in the membership so for example we've just done our renewal a couple of weeks ago for next season so we'd offer like a signed shirt um or a draw you know to be an entrance into a draw to win a signed shirt if you're renewed by a certain date and then you know there's a little lad who was i think he was nine who won it so he made his day you know so that all that all goes to to, to good you know to, to sort of good causes type things so um yeah but they are really supportive and help you grow your club and you know if you've got questions or things they can help you with then then they will so yeah i think they're they're really supportive now last particular question on the club itself if anybody that's listening to this that is from the area that is this is the first time they've ever heard of the eastern blues and i'm surprised if they would have if anybody was interested in joining your club how would they go about and join um, so yeah, so we cover like Norfolk and Suffolk, and then all you need to do if you want to join is just go to our website, which is um, easternblues.co.uk, and it, and you can just sign up through there. So you need to be a Chelsea like member or a season ticket holder, and then you just go onto our website, sign up, pay your membership fee, and then you're you're in the in the club if you like, and um, you then start getting contact from from the officials and stuff with information about tickets and travel and all the stuff that we do. So yeah, it's quite straightforward, and obviously. We're across all the sort of social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We've got like a, a really helpful um, committee member who runs all that for us because obviously that becomes like a full-time job, as I'm sure you know, Keith, by doing the Blue Day podcast um, social media. So, um, yeah, so there's a group of us who sort of do that. But, yeah, so just look us up on there and um, and sign up. Now, floor's going to be for both. So we're going to move <laughs> on from the club. We're now going to talk about... Chelsea as a whole. Gents, just to start off with, before we start having rants and rave about current Chelsea, when did you guys start following Chelsea? So what period of, of it did you start in your life? You know, do you remember the year? Do you remember the game that sort of appealed to you? The floor's yours, gents. I guess I'll go first, as you've heard enough, Adam, for, for one night. <laughs> <laughs> um, I started supporting Chelsea in around 2000. Um, so I am from Norfolk originally and actually have no, my parents are not Norwich, fan, uh, Norwich fans, they're not Chelsea. Um, so it was Gianfranco Zola for me that, you know, just seeing him on the TV just spellbounded me into supporting Chelsea. And the first game really that I remember vividly was that Barcelona quarterfinal game at Stamford Bridge, we won 3-1. So I was only young, so my dad let me stay up late and watched that and, and was hooked thereafter and um yeah didn't haven't when I was young of course wasn't able to get too many games but as I've got older and been able to go down to London on my own um tried to go to as often as possible for me obviously I'm a little bit older than Tom not much but slightly <laughs> <laughs> um it was my dad so um in the 1970 Chelsea Leeds Cup final which the FA Cup final seems to be quite a common story that you hear I think of people of that era that he decided you know whoever is whoever won that game was who he was going to support so luckily for us obviously it turned out <laughs> to be Chelsea and then um yeah me and my brother it, it sort of passed down through us and we, we're both big Chelsea fans um and I think it's the first sort of the first sort of game that I sort of really remember was the um when Gus Poirier scored like the volley was it against Sunderland or Aston Villa? Or maybe I'm getting it completely wrong. I can't remember who it's against now. But that was the first... 
Was it Sunderland? I think it was Sunderland. Yeah. First first game of the season. Uh, yeah. 99-2000 season, I believe it was. So, yeah, that's the first really in my vivid memory as such. But, like, obviously, you know, I would have been... Uh, well, probably about four. I was really have been at fourteen then. So, but when I was like you know younger, we used to watch it on TV. I used to have the um, Mark Steen. I remember having the tangerine and graphite shirt with Mark Steen on the back, and my brother had John Spencer. So there are our two favourite players growing up. But we would, you know, it was difficult to go when you're sort of that young and it was expensive and stuff. So um, yeah, when we uh, you know started to go when we was a little bit older, that's the first sort of real goal that sticks in my mind. If you know what I mean. And that was a top kit as well, that away kit. Yeah, it's like a classic now, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. Could you imagine if they actually got the balls to actually make a kit like that now? <laughs> Certainly bold. <laughs> and, but it would go into meltdown, I'm sure. <laughs> well, if you look at the state of the kits now, I don't particularly think the, uh, the Amiga 94 away kit was that bad. But... <laughs> In regards to sort of your t- first time going to the bridge, you know, what was that feeling like for you guys? You know, whether it was seeing it in 2000 or seeing it sort of later on when you saw like Zola play live and when you saw Hasselbank and players like Wise as well being the captain, you know, do you remember much of those memories? Um, so the first time I went was um, in 2004, actually. So my dad actually, um, it was Chelsea versus Norwich. I had to sit in the away end, um, which was then in the East Stand. But I still went crazy when I think we were 3-0 up within half an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Duff, Robin and Lampard and then Jogba scored in the second half. That's right. Um, I I went to that game. I remember that one very well. Yes. so, yeah, just see, being able to go for the first and I think seeing, as we were at the time, an elite, you know, team, probably, well, we were the best in the league. Hmm. It was, you know, I'd, I'd grown up watching and going to Norwich games in the in the championship or in Division 1, as it was called back, back then. So to actually see, you know, the creme de la creme was like, wow, this is a different level and really, yeah, was was a really incredible experience. It just made me want to go more and more. But yeah, I had to wait until I was older and able to make my way there because my dad wouldn't probably go along himself to to Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, for me, I guess I I can remember like you know it's so completely different now, but being outside the bridge and when the players used to walk down like sort of to the stand to the entrance and you'd be able to like sort of hover around there and and get the odd autograph and stuff like that and you see like people like Zola like walking down you know and then it like all that sort of era is when you could sort of you know or just before then is when you could do that sort of stuff and um, me and my dad and my brother would start just you know we were quite young we'd just be waiting around there trying to sort of grab one of the players as they come down but yeah it's like really you know as, as a young kid it was like sort of like your dream to go there and like to then and to meet your heroes as well which is um yeah great and, and that's not nice that we can help people do that now by going to games and see their like the children in the club now live that you know almost like you <laughs> you relive that through them in a way which is great to see and it's good as well because obviously you guys being associated with the supporters club you're able to maybe have better access through Chelsea in terms of you know seeing players because I know there's certain times 
obviously this was before COVID, that you used to be able to do open days at the training ground. So there would be certain sort of times where certain supporters clubs would be able to go to the training ground and whether or not you was 10 years old or 30 years old, you'd still be able to watch players that you'd be huge fans of being able to train there in the flesh. Yeah, I think it's obviously changed a lot now. It's a lot harder to get any access like that. You know, we... We, we sort of like, you know, like I was saying before, we sort of started the show, but we, you know, we have players up to Norwich and try and get like the, you know, even like some of the younger guys that don't, or the younger guys and girls, I should say, that they, they don't necessarily, um, you know, remember people who had like Kerry Dixon, we've, we've had like Chopper Harris, you know, they don't necessarily remember, that obviously they weren't born, but they're still really intrigued to listen to their stories and, you know, and, and that's like great as well that you can see that the, the, the history almost imparting on those people as well. And it's the Chelsea feeling as well, because, you know, when you look at, say, for example, when you've gone with your dad or you've gone with your brother to one of these events and then your brother or dad or whoever is knows who that particular legend is, whether it's Kerry Dixon or Ron Harris or Pat Nevin, for example, you start feeling a bit of affinity with that particular player because he's making the family member you're with happy. So I think that that's that that's pretty special as well. So it, it, as you say, having that as a as a connection is is pretty good. But in terms of Chelsea for today, and this is probably where we're going to be about two hours or three hours in the conversation. <laughs> Thomas Tuchel has been in charge now for a, a little bit. He's trying to get a little bit of his tactics, and he's trying to get certain players implemented into his style. Obviously, we will talk about the new ownership in a minute, but what have you made of Thomas Tuchel? Are you a fan of him? Do you feel that he's, he could have done better on certain occasions? What's your take on Mr. Tuchel, gents? I think uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of him. I think, you know, obviously everybody was gutted like when Frank got sacked, um, you know, because of the connection that he's got with the, with the club and the fans and you know, maybe looking back in hindsight, you could think of it as another manager. They probably wouldn't have, you know, been given as much law, but, you know, from the, from the fans type thing. But, um, you know, so yeah, when, when Thomas came in, obviously he had a difficult, difficult situation to need to try and turn it around from everybody being, you know, gutted about what had happened. But I think he's done, done really well. And hopefully he, he can stay for a long time. He seems that the club appear to be back in, or at least like uh, letting him sort of decide, who he wants and stuff like that. Whereas maybe that was a bit different before in the previous regime. So hopefully that works out, you know, well and, and makes him want to stay as well, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I do like him a lot. I think he's done a good job. And I think sometimes because of how good Liverpool and, and Man City have been, you know, we can look at that bar and think we're, you know, doing too well, but, you know, we were comfortably in the top four last season easily probably the third best team in the league. You know, we had big injuries throughout the season to to Reese James and to Chilwell for a lot of periods. So and we were comfortably in there. And in the Champions League, you know, we went toe to toe with with Real Madrid, he went on to win it and probably should have won really on, on the night in Madrid. So I think he's a fantastic man at but tactically I think he's very good. He's you know can one of those one-off games can really 
um, get a plan to stop anyone, really. I think it's just finding that consistency that we need over a whole season when we play like a, well, not this year, but a Burnley at home and been able to sort of break them down and, and get that sort of second goal. Um, but I think you've been we've been able to see sort of the um, power of the man in, in, in how he dealt with the sanction situation, really. He's left alone to be the spokesman of the club and he's just the, the manager and, you know, dealt with it with, you know, supreme class, really, and was great ambassador for the club in that period of time. So um, a lot of managers would have, probably with all the uncertainty, would have, you know, walked away, I'd imagine. Um, so I think, you know, giving him the chance now, as it looks like, to bring in some of his own players and build his own squad, I think that, you know, give him a chance, give him... Uh, yeah, to see how, how it goes. I think he could build something really special, really, personally, but remains to be seen. And it's interesting that you mentioned with Tuchel about bringing his own players in. It's a lot different now to what it was under the previous regime with Todd Bowley coming in. I've been a little bit sceptical of him in regards to not his intentions, but actually how he's going to run things and whether or not he partly knows what he's doing, but that's another conversation for another time and it's too hot to go into the weeds on that. But I do want to talk to you too about his transfer business so far and the fact we've brought in Raheem Sterling, we've brought in Koulibaly, we're looking at Jules Kunde as well from Seville as we are recording this and there's talks about other players potentially coming in. It seems a little bit different, and whether or not you two will agree with me on this, is the fact that it doesn't seem to be any sort of club influence signings. So it's not like Todd's ringing Mr. Tuchel up and going, I like this player, we're going to sign him. It seems more Tuchel has has given Todd a list of names. Todd's gone, leave me to deal with it, I'll deal with it. And he's brought in the players. You can just see with Raheem Sterling, that looked a Tuchel signing. I think he even said that, didn't he? Obviously, I know, you know, that has come out through Chelsea's sort of official outlets, but he said that he, um, you know, that was it. Sterling was at the top of his list to sign it and they've delivered it for him. So I think that's all That's all he can ask it for, isn't it, really? Like, um, and I think before, you know, with previous signings, mentioning no names have been in situations where because of the cost and, and probably the direction of uh to you know where the direction to buy him has come from it's probably almost been enforced on the manager that player has to play regardless of you, you know with it not 100 percent, but you see what i'm saying you know within reason it's like yeah, they almost feel like they have to play them regardless of form or anything else or what anybody else in the squad is doing i kind of think that can be conducive to a good uh, you know a good team type thing because um you know everybody should be playing on merit shouldn't they and performance not just because we've paid 90 million or whatever it might be for someone (laughs) 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 no names but you mentioned the transfer fee that's interesting (laughs) i think i think yeah i think that's that has been the case for you know not just that signing who's mentioned but maybe you know during frank's time when when that summer during the COVID season, we signed about five or six players. I, I don't think all of them were his, who he would have really wanted. And, and therefore it felt like 
he was trying to fit them into his plan. And I think that was ultimately probably the demise of, of, of why he it went wrong, wrong in that situation, because he'd been put, you know, there was there were certain players who were sort of low-hanging fruit because of the COVID situation. So they were brought in, but they weren't really part of how Frank wanted to play his team. So hopefully, um, with, you know, the manager being able to have more of the, a driving force in the transfers and, and build a squad and a team that can really challenge and, and be, yeah, a bit more fluid. Sometimes it has felt a bit like um, square pegs and round holes at times. Are you happy, gents, with the transfer business so far in terms of incomings and outgoings? And is there one player in particular that you would like Chelsea to bring in and one player that you would pack their bags for them and tell them to get the <laughs> F out today? What's the, you know, one one player on each? I'll let you go first, Tom, if you want. <laughs> um, oh, who would I really, I think... The one player I'd love to have, because I feel like it's a big position for us, is, is midfield. It's probably Declan Rice. Um, Premier League experience. He's shown that he's an elite level player and I think brings some physicality into our midfield, which I think second half of the season you started to see with Jorginho and Kante's injuries. We looked quite, compared to the top two teams, quite weak there. Um so he'd be someone I think would be who I'd really love to get in. Don't think it will happen this year, but maybe next. Um, someone I'd really like to get rid of. Oh. I don't know. Uh, Baki Oko. <laughs> <laughs> well, the police have been trying to do that. So I think, that's, um, I, I, I think that one's nearly halfway done, to be honest. We did have yeah. a little joke that we thought he got um, pulled over for impersonating a footballer. No, you probably probably harsh, but you know, (laughs) you can't say things like that. (laughs) I think there's a few players I would like to get rid of just because of the sort of wages in the books. Players like Barkley, um, Bakioko, Bachwari, players like that. Who you know, if you got rid of those players, you're freeing up almost 300 odd grand of wages a week just through those, those players who you know, don't offer anything to the squad apart from maybe a bit of loan fee every season. Um, yeah, but otherwise, I think it'd be just nice to have a bit of a freshen up in one of those forward positions as well. So maybe Zayach or Werner. I'm just talking about the whole squad now, aren't I? <laughs> That's fine. That's nothing wrong. You, you're, you're one of many people that have been asking the question, why are these players still at the club? Adam, what about you? Uh, I think for me, I'd like to see, I know it's almost like, um, you know, it just never happens for Chelsea, but to get like a top quality striker in who can put away 20, 25 goals a season, it's a bit late now, it? like for someone like <laughs> Lewandowski or, you know, I, you know, just someone who's, you sort of almost can guarantee, like when we had a Drogba or Costa or someone like that, you know, who you could think, okay, like they'll get us out of trouble or, you know, or we Hazard slightly different, you know, but it, it'd always give you a goal if you, if you sort of needed one. I don't think we sort of, we'd sort of lacked that since those sort of players have, have moved on and, and retired and stuff like that. But um, to, to go, I, I would say, I don't know. I, I wouldn't, you know, there's obviously players that are coming to, uh, coming towards probably the end of their, you know, peak type thing but but they're obviously like very 
like well legends of the club some of them and stuff so I wouldn't say I want them to go but, you know it's almost like sentimental you want them to stay but I guess it's like goes around to sort of what Tom mentioned before that you know there's only uh, you know we don't know how it's going to turn out under the new sort of ownership but there's only a, a definitive amount of money isn't there in the pot I guess for wages and stuff so sometimes you have to look at the bigger picture for the club as well um but I wouldn't like to mention no names because you know sentimentally I'd love them to stay forever so um so yeah <laughs> sorry I sat on the fence that question you did sit on the fence you, you <laughs> sat on the fence so much you dented it well you know has has been locked down <laughs> good response I like that <laughs> Final question, <laughs> final question, gents. And again, thanks very much for coming on th- this evening. What does Chelsea Football Club mean to you? And what are your predictions for the forthcoming season? You want me to go first? I can. Um, what does Chelsea mean to me? It's probably my first love and still, um, well, true love. <laughs> and um, I don't know. I, I, I think when it's been my most difficult times in life, I, you know, that's when I decided I think I want to go and, and go to Chelsea games a lot more. And it was sort of the crutch that kept me sort of positive and going in life, really. Um, somewhere to go and vent and swear, usually at like Mike Dean or someone like that or Scousers. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been you know, some really joyous experiences and, places where I've been able to, you know, I've come to Stamford Bridge feeling quite low, but at the end of the night feeling on top of the world because of being able to watch Chelsea and win. Um, and then through meeting and joining Eastern Blues, you know, getting friends and, and, and more of a family um, who you can go and share matches and experiences with has been, yeah, it's a sort of, it's a very big part of my life and can't imagine it without it really, without Chelsea and, in the supporters club um, in terms of for the season ahead um, I think we'll probably come third <laughs> um, and we might win a cup maybe I think we've been over the last few years a lot better cup team than we have in the league so on our day we're very difficult to beat so mate, hopefully the FA Cup because I've been to Wembley too many times recently and lost so I don't want to do that again <laughs> You, me, both, especially <laughs> last season. That was yeah. dreadful. No penalties, please. No. It's a long way home after results like that, isn't it, on a cup final day? Well, I was going to say, especially f- from where you guys are from as well. That I mean, I'm, 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 I sort of moaned and I live in Kent. It must have, it must have been uh, worse for you guys, especially. Very sombre coach both times, when they say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for, for me, I think it just like... Um, you know, it's like your sort of happy place, like the thing that you look forward to, you know, you think not that I go every, every single week, but you, you think you're going through the week, you know, you're looking forward to that weekend to go and, you know, support your team and, and go like to, to sort of stab a bridge or might be an away game or whatever, wherever it might be. But going to the bridge, you always get excited about going there, no matter how many times you go. It's like sort of, you know, um, yeah, I think, I think you just always you can never fail to feel happy on the way there at least anyway <laughs> it's not always the same sometimes when you leave but um but yeah you know meeting up with your friends and stuff like that which which is like builds 
builds up even more you know like it's seeing your mates having a good time and we, we sort of jokingly sometimes say like you know don't let the football ruin a day at the football if you know what I mean like if the result is bad you still try and have a good time and and you know with your mates and stuff like that so um so yeah it's definitely been a big part of my life you know like doing what we do now you know with the club and stuff you know it, it's all worth it to see people go and, and that on their you know the smile on their faces so um and yeah this season um well, top four, you know, hopefully third, well, hopefully first, but, you know, <laughs> um, in an ideal world, but definitely top four, you know, and like, I think, uh, you know, like Tom said, hopefully a cup this season, we can turn, you know, the disappointment round of the last couple of years into actually winning, you know, at Wembley anyway, winning, you know, one of the domestic cups and hopefully a decent run in the Champions League. You know, we were so close last year in in a way, you know, in, in like on another day in Madrid, we, we probably would have, you know, took, turned them over almost like you know when you look back at 2012 when we um with Barcelona everything went against us on that night at the new Camp and we still done it and it almost felt like that in, in Madrid you know like we was up against it from the first leg but we were so close to doing it but just not quite there but yeah if we can just improve on that a little bit more and and you know maybe go a bit further that would be great well gentlemen I think that's as far as we can go on this episode but I appreciate your time on the show both adam and thomas hopefully you'll enjoy the rest of the heat wave and don't get too fried and hopefully i'll see you down at the bridge for the forthcoming season with a few pints in our hands and singing blue is the color on a, on a few occasions how's that sounds good cheers keith thanks for having us yeah thanks for having us and it sounds perfect <laughs> <laughs> no no problem you guys take it easy cheers Sports Social Podcast Network.